Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, I'm Clive Anderson. Welcome to My 7 Wonders Live. In this podcast, I ask a special guest to select and talk about the seven wonders of his or her world. This episode is one of several we recorded in front of a live audience at the 2022 Edinburgh Festival Fringe. Well, actually, this one's at a large venue in North Berwick, part of the Fringe by the Sea Festival. My guest is a comedian who comes originally from Kenya. She's appeared at the Edinburgh Festival every year since 2013. She won the new Act of the Year Award at the Hackney Empire in London in 2019. She's had her own series on Radio 4. So here, with an enthusiastic audience, we're exploring the seven wonders of Jambe McGrath. Thank you. Jambe. Hi. Good to see you. Good to see you. Do sit there. So... So, um, uh, as you know, and people know, I, I, uh, I know a little bit about you because I've interviewed you on the radio some yeah. time ago. And uh, in the course of that, I read your memoir. Uh, it's a very interesting memoir. So, just the basics. Uh, I know you started life in Kenya. Yes. And then later on, you were in New York for yeah. a while. I yes. don't know how long. Yeah. And then uh, you're living in uh, Ealing in the, yeah. w- the west of London, the queen of the suburbs, as they always call it. I don't know why. <laughs> Do you, is that what attracted you, the slogan to go to, to Ealing? No, it's just where the train stopped. And I was like, oh, this is where I'm going to stay then. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So you're a comedian, but where did the, when did the comedy start, geographically old, if you like? So were you a comedian in Kenya, in New York, or only when you got to the United Kingdom? When I got to the United Kingdom, things became funny. Uh, <laughs> All right. Um, so my comedy actually originated from when I had my two daughters, uh, and I quit my job uh, working in IT. Yes. And I uh, retrained to teach antenatal classes. And uh, I started writing jokes to engage, especially the dads, because they would sit in the classes on their blackberries and whatever. Yeah. So I started writing jokes. So when they would come in expecting to hear stuff about childbirth, I would tell them a few jokes, and they would roll around laughing. Well, anything, anything really. <laughs> anything, about childbirth. anything. Yeah. Then. yeah. And so, because it can be childbirth can be quite painful for the for the father, because <laughs> sometimes you're there. No, I've I've been through it a few times, and. Uh, the mother like grips onto your hand. <laughs> it can be quite tight, and you can come away quite badly. Yes, yeah, I, yeah. I've been, <laughs> I've, I've suffered for it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you have. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, it can. The worst case I ever saw of a father was uh, a man with a broken toe and a thumb that was quite uh, badly uh, beaten, uh, um, and uh, I just told him to. Um, Put up with it. <laughs> yes. yeah. Okay. Uh, right. So that. So, but, but that they. So you started doing jokes for people there. Yes. But that's a big. It's a big step to say. Right. I'm going to, as it were, have another career now as a comedian. 
uh, yeah, it, it wasn't that straightforward. So actually, after one session, one of the dads came to me and said, why don't you actually do stand-up comedy? Mm. And I thought, do stand-up comedy? So I came home, I said to my husband, this man said to me that I should do stand-up comedy. And my husband was like, yeah, do it. Uh, and I said, what? So he said, uh, we'll go to, com to watch comedy. Let's go to the comedy cafe, which is in Shoreditch. Yeah. So literally a few days later, we were in Shoreditch watching comedy. And mm. during the break, I spoke to their owner and he said, oh, we don't get many women around here doing comedy. Uh, ring me tomorrow and I'll give you a spot. I rang him and then within a week, I was on stage. <laughs> That was frightening. In front and you were of this immediately a huge success. It was a brilliant. <laughs> yeah. it was, well, you know, the first show was obviously terrible. <laughs> I, I got quite a few gasps. Mm. Uh, my husband said, "Wow, you got a reaction." The <laughs> uh, <laughs> old husband sounds very encouraging, though. I mean, not not all husbands or let's say wives uh, go, "Yes, yes, uh, go ahead and be a comedian." By and large, he's very encouraging. He yes. doesn't always do as I say, but he's very encouraging. All right. <laughs> He's supposed to do what you say, is he? <laughs> right, I'm going to be careful in this, uh, this uh, conversation. I can see you're somebody to be reckoned with. So, uh, as, as you know, as I've explained to the audience, you have to come up with seven wonders. Yes. So, I'll just take you through them as I've got them written down here. So, uh, fireflies is yes. your first wonder of the world. Yes. Now, tell us what a fire, just remind us, let's say, of what a firefly is and why you regard it as wonderful. Uh, so, uh, firefly is, ju is just uh, some, kind of, uh, I, some kind of insect that lights up in its belly. And yeah. uh, I grew up on a farm in Kenya. And um, one thing that I appreciate, uh, that I never appreciated then, is that we had no light pollution living on a farm in Kenya. So, uh, at night, um, we, my brother and I, we used to just go and lie on the grass and look at the stars. And it was just incredible because you could see the details that you could see on the stars. And then the fireflies would just be flying around because they kind of flash. And it was most like a magical world that we're mm. in. And of course, if anybody has ever been in somewhere tropical, you get a lot of noises like uh, crickets and frogs and all of this stuff. And it was magical just lying on the grass, watching the stars and having the fireflies flying around. That's a part of some of the things that I remember from my childhood. It was so, absolutely so how magical. Long, how old were you when you left sort of permanently living in Kenya? What sort of age? Um, so I, I, I've written this in my memoir yes. when I was 13. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm happy to ask you that not everyone yes. has read your memoir. They will afterwards. <laughs> that yes. It's called Through the Leopard's Gaze. Yes. So we're going to come to leopards in due course. But, yes. Uh, but so when you think back, obviously a very different sort of uh, place to be in mm -hmm. compared to, let's say, Ealing, yeah. the, the queen of the suburbs. Yeah. Uh, but it is, is it the smell of the place? Is it the, the sight of the fireflies? Is it, is it, all those things evoke your memories there. So, um, I mean, it, it was stunning where I grew up. It was just beautiful rolling hills with coffee and tea plantations. And um, so my childhood is very bittersweet because... Uh, the, the the location was idyllic. My brother and I, we just loved playing with nature and bugs and all sorts of things, and we were given that in abundance. But uh, this was against the backdrop of violence. So you asked when I uh, when uh, I left Kenya. Oh, sorry, when I left uh, my home. Uh, so I was 13 years old, and. Um, my, my father came home, so my mom had already left. My, my father came home one night uh, with his girlfriend, 
and he was very angry, and I don't know why he was angry. My brothers and I, actually, we had just been watching all of that stuff, and uh, we'd gone into the living room because it was getting dark and the mosquitoes were out. So we uh, turned on the telly, and then we did what we did most nights, we fell asleep. Mm. And uh, we didn't actually realize uh, that uh, my father had arrived. We were not permitted to watch TV, uh, so we just had the door slam and he came in, he was very angry and he said something to me, I didn't know what he said and then he attacked me and uh, so he was punching me and the last thing I remember was uh, seeing an object coming and I blacked out mm. and uh, I woke up and I was uh, frightened uh, because the last thing I remember was that when my mother left, she left uh, with her clothes torn, uh, and he was chasing her with an axe. So I thought that he'd gone to get the axe. Mm. So I got up, and uh, I walked out of the door, and I, I fled, and it was in the middle of the night. So I walked, I don't know how long I was walking for, and uh, I was aware of headlights, and this car stopped, and two men got out, and they told me to get in the car. Any other time, I would have run and hid. Mm. But this time, I just got into the car. I don't remember their faces. I don't even think I saw their faces. So I got in the car, and I sat between them. They took my suitcase because I'd taken my suitcase with me. Uh, they put it in the boot, and they asked me where I was going. And I told them I was going to boarding school. And of course, they knew I wasn't going to boarding school because I was wearing a, a pink nightdress, a very... Mm. Um, yeah. yeah, I was wearing my pink nightdress and I was covered in blood. Right. So yeah. they, they knew, obviously, I wasn't going to boarding yeah. school. So they asked me, where is your boarding school? And I told them this place uh, because I knew where my mother lived. So I arrived uh, at six o'clock in the morning uh, with my blue teen suitcase in my pink nightdress covered in blood. And that is how my mother saw me when she came out of her night shift. Right. So it's a, I mean, it's the obvious, this is a tra traumatic memory and and by going back to the fireflies that's a in a, a happier place uh, i assume it was a happier place before all this 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 trauma yeah so my my childhood in that place was horrific and beautiful uh, because my father used to do a business in kampala so he he would be gone for weeks at a time and uh the weeks that he was gone we were just carefree it was the best place in the world to be. It was, we were carefree, but when he came, he, uh, he brought with him fear. So the moment you could hear the car, because we could hear the car approaching from quite afar, uh, you began to get butterflies in your stomach. Mm -hmm. And uh, we could barely even digest food when he was around. So it was horrific when he was home, but when he was g gone, we were the famous five, just walking around and, you know, arresting butterflies and all sorts of things. So it was quite a daily, but quite horrific as well. But anyway, the, fire, the fireflies are nice. We, well, the equivalent here, I suppose, we would be midges. Uh, anyone, <laughs> maybe not on this side of the country, but on the, I spent a lot of time on the west side of yeah. Scotland, and every evening, yeah. if you lie out on the grass, you'd get bitten by midges. Uh, <laughs> at least I would, because it always might be. Um, but anyway, so that was a, an idyllic place. Yes. A, the possibility of an idyllic childhood but coming to a a, shud a shuddering end, really, at that, yeah. at that point. Yeah. Um, well, let, let's move on to your next um, um, wonder, because uh, we, we, it's sort maybe the same sort of area, but uh, so your next wonder is a chameleon. 
chameleon. You know, um, again, because where I lived, it was uh, so fertile, so beautiful. Uh, we had all sorts of in, in insects, but I was so fascinated by chameleons. And so chameleon is also uh, uh, part of our myth because we, we the Agekoyo people, we believe that um, uh, when God created the earth and the universe, he sent a message and the messenger was the chameleon. He sent the chameleon to come and tell the Agekoyo people that they would live forever. And uh, of course, they, the chameleon just like was uh, got, got distracted doing other things. I don't know what other things chameleons do, but it got distracted. Well, the main uh, thing that chameleons do, as I understand, they eat insects. So you've got a, a second wonder, which is eating your first wonder. So <laughs> yeah. the, the, was it, it's like rolling up behind us as we go along here. Most likely. Yeah. It got distracted. Mm. And so... Uh, it didn't get the message to the Gekoyo people, and so God was very angry, so sent another uh, creature, and so the chameleon was condemned to a life of stammer. <laughs> <laughs> that's why the chameleon is, so that, that's a punishment for oh, not... Oh, I see. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. it's like that arthritic sort of walk. Yeah, yeah. That, yes. that, that is a punishment for not delivering God's message Qu to quite us. Quite right, yes. <laughs> yeah. If only we could inflict that upon people who fail to deliver things, <laughs> yeah, which we've got off the internet. Yeah. Uh, but they, but are, are they there because of that or because you're impressed by they do that thing of changing color a lot i love they? that i absolutely love chameleons because mm. like we would we literally used to follow chameleons just seeing them and and like i say uh, that I, I didn't have toys when i was a child but uh, i'm yet to find a toy that can do what chameleons can do yeah. It, yeah, it was amazing. Like we just used to follow them, just to watch them, just change color and everything. Yeah. So my brother and I, we were thoroughly entertained, despite the fact that we had no actual manufactured toys. And can you get them to change color by putting them on different colored backgrounds, or is that a bit of a myth that they change with to, to camouflage? Oh yeah, they'll change with anything. If you put one here, you go yellow. All right. Yeah, if you put one here, you go these colors. It's, right. it's, yeah, it's just incredible. So, I mean. And I say, because when I'm doing comedy, I say to people, I didn't have toys as a child. And people are like, oh my God, so sorry. It's like, no, you know, I, I didn't have any plastic uh, messing the planet. Okay, yes. my, my, my toys were very organic. Mm. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to dot in and out of your biography, I may, because there's a contrast between a life in Kenya to life in New York. And I yes. know there's a, there's a big gap in between, yeah. but... So, and you mentioned in passing IT what you worked you worked in. So did you uh, did you decide at some point? I, I or however lovely this is, I want to go and live in a big city, or I want to do something that's more urban or more um, more challenging, I suppose, in its in its way of work. Was there a crucial point of that, or were you always headed for that sort of thing? I mean, growing up in in Kenya, uh, we used to watch. American programs, so like the Good Times, Soul Train. Yeah. So for us, America sounded like heaven, really. Yeah. And uh, when the chance came along to go and do this uh, student exchange program in New York, yeah. I was so excited, I could hardly breathe. And uh, so I thought, oh, I'm going to be in New York City. I'm going to be shopping every single day in New York City. And then I actually found out I was going to be in New York State, uh, yeah. seven hour drive from New York City. Oh, right. In a place called Oswego. <laughs> Yeah. Living amongst a tribe of people called the rednecks. Yeah. Uh, 
So that was quite an experience. So were you allowed to go into New York City at any point just to... It was too far. I only <laughs> really honestly spent two days in New York City. Yes. But it, yeah, it's just too far. To, you, it's a seven-hour drive, mm. you know. So yeah, so he never walked out the way I thought he would. So instead, I, I, I was in this place, Oswego, which was stunning. It was by Lake Ontario. The sunsets were just spectacular. Yes. But the winters were insane. Mm. And I never... I, I'd never been cold before. Yeah. <laughs> so when the winter came, I, I, I wanted to leave very quickly and I left very quickly. Yeah, mm -hmm. so I did just one semester and I decided I could not, I could not wake up another day in the snow. <laughs> I, I thought I remembered you met your husband in New York. Yeah. Was that in that one quick semester, sem 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 as, as we call it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was very quick meeting, you yeah. know, uh, and uh, you know when people when people see each other and they fall in love, they they uh, you don't need time. <laughs> Who needs time? No. And we we very quickly um, knew we were going to get married, and um, so he, my husband is actually English, and so he um, and, and he came back and he told his mom he was marrying a girl and and she's in New York, so his mother was very excited until. <laughs> Until she met me and realized I'm from Africa. <laughs> and, and she did tell me she was horrified. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, but, but she did say, she did say, oh, at least you're not black, black. Uh, <laughs> and that, that is the name of my Edinburgh show, Black, Black. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. And, and did she come round to the things in the end? Are you, now do you have... No? Oh. She never did. I'm looking for a happy ending. To, well, yeah. The happy ending is that uh, she produced a marvellous son and we have two beautiful daughters. That's a happy ending, wouldn't you say? Yes. Yeah, yeah that's a brilliant ending. Uh, oh, well, that's... They, oh, yeah. A few people think oh, that's yeah. good. Others are not yeah. so sure. And do you, yeah. do you allow your children to... Did you allow your children to have toys? Um, or did you say, no, I didn't have that. You find something some animal life in Ealing to go and look at. There, there must be a grey squirrel that looks entertaining or maybe a mouse or two if you're, if you're really lucky. There's pigeons. Look at the pigeons. <laughs> yeah, go on. Go and play with the fox, okay? Yeah. Um, no, actually, I was quite a soft mother uh, just because my father was so brutal. Yes. So I just wanted my girls to have... To, to not to be afraid of me. So, yeah, I did actually spoil my children. And also, my, my, my husband is a big softy. So, he, he always just bought them uh, whatever yeah. they wanted. Yeah. Yes. So, they've had a very different life than, than uh, when they see a spider. Like, my, my daughter just screams. And it was like, I have looked at a leopard in the eye. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's, that's just a spider in the corner. Oh, right. Yeah. But they're not impressed with that. No. Your, your point about, I should have mentioned with fireflies, yeah. one of the reasons why they light up, yeah. sometimes it's females yes. who attract the males to them, either to mate yeah. or to, to eat, <laughs> depending on their mood. So. And I like that ethos. Mm. You know, <laughs> when you have a male, you've got to have a purpose, you know, yes. either eat them or... Yeah. You know, have fun with them. So <laughs> there's not much we're needed for anymore, uh, males. So, uh, the only thing I'm, I think I'm any good for. I can open, you know, the jars, the top of oh, the yeah. jars. Oh <laughs> yeah. The one really masculine thing I can do. Yeah, Once I get arthritis and my, get, go the full chameleon, then that's uh, it. that'll be me out the door. I think I've got no other function. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's uh, it's tough. I would imagine being a man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'd say I'd say map reading, but a now we've got sat nav, and b my wife is perfectly good at map reading, so she doesn't need me for that. So. Oh, yeah. do you know what? I think the sat nav saved our marriage, yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, because like my husband always used to give me the map to read, but and then we would end up in that. One time we were actually in in uh, Oswego, and we were driving around. We were going to find Lake Superior yes. for some strange reason, and. Uh, we just kind of ended up going round and round. And you know, they're those five great legs. Yes. Everything is great in America. Yeah. <laughs> and, well, um, it was, it's hard to miss Lake Superior, to be <laughs> honest. <It's>, yeah. <laughs> I, I know. So I, at the time, you know, we were, we were just uh, newly dating and uh, my husband couldn't show that he was cross, that he'd yeah. driven such a long, uh, a long way in the wrong direction. All right. So he was like, it's okay, honey. So is he, yeah. is he more in the IT side of your life or the comedy side of your life? So? No, he's, he's actually a musician. So he's a drummer. Uh, in, but also he works in TV, he works in sound. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I think you're talking. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so that we're, we've got to keep going through these wonders, otherwise we won't get through them. Yeah. Um, so your next wonder is Mount Kenya. So we're, we're sticking with uh, the, the Kenyan yes. uh, side of your, your life. Yeah. Now, what, um, I've, I've been to Mount Kenya. I can't claim to have gone to the top of it. I went to, you know, treetops. It's a well-known you know, touristy kind of place you sit by a waterhole. Yeah. And I, I must say, I thought it was fantastic. But uh, uh, so, what, but, you, but Mount Kenya and perhaps other mountains as well, what, what is it about them? So um, we, the Gekoyo people, we believe that um, when our God guy created the earth, uh, he created uh, the first man, he called him Gekoyo, and uh, he took him to the, we, Mount Kenya to us is called the Holy Mountain of Brightness. Uh, so, for us, it's a holy mountain. Yes. And we believe that the, the snow on the top is, that's called Ira. That's where the God, our God sleeps. So our God, when he comes from heaven, right. he has four earthly residents, and they are all mountains. Uh, and those mountains surround the area where the Yokoyo people are or used to be. Mm -hmm. And so the holy mountain of brightness is Mount Kenya. And that is, so when we pray, uh, we turn to the holy mountain of, of brightness mm. and and it's only w when the british arrived they changed the name of the mountain <laughs> they yes. called it mount kenya but for us it's a holy mountain of brightness and our god lives there right. so that's where if we are sacrificing we always turn to the holy mountain and we sacrifice because god is there so so is there a move to change the name to, to make it more of an original name a bit like in Aust australia that, that airs rock uhuru they don't they you know there's there's a move to to give it its sort of um, original name. There should be, because yeah. uh, a lot of the uh, really um, important places to, to local people yeah. were trashed over by colonialism. Yes. And they were given all these names that have no meaning. Um, and like Abadez, Abadez is one of our holy mountains. And uh, it's, it's where we think that, um, it's because, it's because of the formation of it, uh, it was named after the president of the Royal Geographical Society in London, yes. who had no idea what that meant to us. So that is a holy mountain because it's one of the earthly residences mm. that the Gotra uh, uh, lives in. And they should really, t we should reclaim our history because our history was trampled over by colonialism. Mm. Uh, even places like Lake Victoria, it still maintains that name. 
but we also have local names for these places. Right. And by maintaining those names, we still accept colonialism, which we rejected, and we fought and got our independence. Well, uh, it's, uh, I went to Kenya in... Uh, that makes me sound very old because I am, but 1972 I went there and uh, it wasn't so, so these big places the names had been changed or changed back, but I was staying with some people and they would you know, give me some directions in Nairobi and they'd say, well, you go down, uh, well, let's say it was Queen Victoria Street. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, so I'm in, a, I'm in a street, it's Tom Maboya Street. Yeah. And, so is, is this the same street? It is the same street, but, yeah. but they just... Uh, they refused to accept it. Well, it, well, it, it, was, it was just them being a bit absent-minded. Right. They, yeah. weren't, they weren't fighting against it, but right. they either weren't aware or... Uh, and it was sometimes they'd remember and, uh, and they'd, you'd have to look yeah. out for the... Yeah. It's like people would give you directions. Hey, oh, you turn right where there used to be a cinema. And, is it, <laughs> and they pulled it down three years ago. Yeah. Oh, okay, that was... So yeah, it's an yeah. empty lot now. It's uh, a weather spoons now. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. Um, anyway, so so that's uh, you've mentioned the, your people. Now there are different there are different peoples who live in in, in Kenya. Mm -hmm. uh, and are you saying Kikuyu, or you do, or is, or is that a different term that I'm? The Kikuyu is a colonial name. Yes. Because when the British arrived, they found my tribe the Agekoyo, mm. uh, but they could never say the Agekoyo, so they changed the name of my people to Kikuyu, mm. and that name has stuck. Yes. And uh, it is it, is quite upsetting, really, is because it, that's not who we are. We are the Agekoyo. Right. Uh, but now everything that is documented, they they call us the Kikuyu people, and Kikuyu is is not the name of my tribe. Right. So we should yeah. avoid that term. That's a, yes. A thing if of the you past. could say uh, Agikoyo. But, but there are there are other. There's the Luo. There's the Maasai. And, yes. And uh, um, I I I know you're not living in. Kenya at the moment, but yeah. uh, uh, is everybody getting on well, would you say, in the country, in, you know, in, as much as anybody gets on uh, in any country? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, colonialism is a very interesting thing uh, because all these tribes were independent, like we were independent states. So uh, our arch rivals were actually the Maasai. You guys obviously have heard of the Maasai. Yeah, yeah, so the, the Maasai were our arch rivals, so we were always, you know, the, the, we were always in battles with them yes. uh, because their warriors were very fierce, but only on flat plains. And our warriors <laughs> were very fierce when, when there's hills. Right. So, so they, 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 they were always raiding each other. But so, of they, course, so they got the plains and you got the hills? We, we were always, we lived in the hills because uh, my tribe actually uh, was one of the few people that were never, ever raided by slave traders. Yeah. Um, so that's why we chose to live in the hills. But right. uh, so the tribes, there were many tribes. There's many tribes in Kenya. We are now uh, uh, um, 44 tribes. And when the British came, they put all of us together and they said, you're a country. Mm. And we are so different. So like the Yekoyo, we, we were fundamentally farmers, vegetarians, we kept animals mainly for sacrifice, but we are actually almost purely vegan. Mm. And the Maasai uh, drink blood and they eat meat. That's how they stay alive. And they, they, they drink milk, eat blood and, uh, mm. and meat. Yeah, you have sort of blood-flavored milk is, yeah. a, is a popular... Is That's a popular all thing. they eat. Yes. So they put us vegans with meat eaters together. <laughs> And they said, you guys need to get along. Uh, so you can imagine the difficulties of trying to have a vision as yes. a country. We've tried. You know, Kenya has only been independent for 
what, just slightly over 60 years. Yes. And we have tried to come together with the different tribes and try to make something of it because we have to do the best that we can to make something of it. Mm. It's been challenging, but we are, I mean, the young, Kenya is a very young country. A half of the population of Kenya is under the age of 18. So a lot of them didn't actually grow up with the, with the tribal norms that we did. So a lot of them are very tech savvy and all of that. Okay. Yeah. Well, it, this, this brings to your next wonder, which is yeah. the leopard, uh, which is obviously an animal, but it, you, you use it in your in your memoirs, the title, Through the Leopard's Gaze. Yes. Uh, because that relates again to where you were living and you could, you could see a, a leopard stroll by from yes. time to time. Yes. So we knew of this leopard because leopards are actually very shy and uh, they like the acacia trees. Uh, the acacia trees are trees that have, uh, the branches are like this. Mm. So, so you can actually spot them in, in Africa, these acacia trees. So they like them because they can actually, you know, they is flat, they can bring their prey on there. So the, the, we knew the leopard was around and you never see it during the day, but we knew it was there because you could find its carcasses there. And actually when we moved into this place, Riara Ridge, um, we, 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 we got a dog, and uh, Julie. <laughs> I don't know why we called the dog Julie, but it was called Julie. And that, that's yeah. the first pet we ever owned. Yeah. And uh, one time when my mother was uh, maintaining the farm, uh, she saw Julie had been killed by the leopard. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, because you can tell by, by, by the marks. Yeah. And so the leopard used to live across from us. So we could see its eyes looking at us and we could observe it. So I call my book Through the Leopard's Gaze because I, when I was writing the memoir, I wondered what le the leopard would have made of our lives as our family disintegrated from this once mm. beautiful family. All right, well, you, you tell us, it's a yeah. distressing story to tell in this country. The dog has been killed. That's, that's almost the worst thing you could say. <laughs> but uh, but I, were you frightened of, uh, when you're growing up in a place where it's got wild animals, proper yeah. wild animals, yeah. were you frightened on behalf of your dog, but on behalf of yourself or a smaller child of, I don't know, you have, did you have leopards as, and also lions and, and, and other, you know, and the, those just sort of big things that might trample yeah. you, like <clears throat> yeah. elephants and yeah. rhino, if you're yeah. lucky or unlucky, depending how you look at it. So the one thing that we are taught from when we're young is to be afraid of wild animals. We are so afraid of wild animals, and rightly so, because they're everywhere. We are afraid of snakes, because like where I, I lived, you know, there were deadly snakes. Hyenas, so like uh, when we used to walk to school, uh, my mother very sternly told us, you mustn't ever swing your arms, because the, the hyena would think you're carrying something, and you know, they've got very powerful jaws, they would bite off your oh, hand right. and stuff. Yeah. So you couldn't walk and swing your, uh, swing your arms. We always think uh, of hyenas, things that sort of come along afterwards when somebody else has done the killing, they wouldn't bother to come and attack a child, but they, they were genuinely to be uh, afraid of. I, I've never honestly, all my life, known of anybody that was attacked by a hyena. Mm. But I don't know whether my mother was just, I don't know, but she, she told us. Be careful. Uh, yes. Be, be yes, careful. Yeah. Um, but by the time I was born, a lot of the animals, because I lived in what was called the White Highlands. <clears throat> so the White Highlands is the area that uh, the Gekoyo people originated from. Mm -hmm. But when uh, the colonialists came, <clears throat> we were deported from that area. And my father actually managed to buy a farm yes. in, in <laughs> in what it's now called the White Highlands. Can, can I make it clear? I only went to Kenya once it had been given independence and everything was all sort of... I, I have an alibi for the colonial period because <laughs> I wasn't alive. So. <laughs> Good. <laughs>
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. So uh, the next one is um, a lake. Uh, tell us about the lake that you chose. Oh, Lake Magadi. Yeah. Uh, so Lake Magadi is truly fascinating. It's the first lake I ever saw. Uh, and uh, when you think you're going to a lake, you think, oh, my God, this is going to be amazing. Maybe do some fishing, maybe some swimming. But it's all salt. Yes. It's, it's, it's all white. Yeah. Uh, so it's just rock salt, really. So mm. I remember the feeling when I got there. And uh, obviously not seeing any water, but just walking on this salt. Yeah. And uh, it's incredibly hot there. Yeah. Um, I mean, Kenya is is everything. Mm. You know, you have places like where I uh, I was brought up, which is, you know, the best climate is throughout the year is between 23 degrees. Uh, to 25 degrees throughout the year, so mm. that's amazing. Uh, but Magadi is extremely very hot. Uh, so it so was this a, is a lower level, a much lower a, level. Yeah, lower than level, the hills, yeah. A lower level. So this is a wonder of the world, though, isn't it? In it, in it as a, as a, you know, in its own right. Yeah. Not just because it's as a memory for you, but it's an extraordinary place. It was so extraordinary. And if anybody ever managed to go to Kenya, just go and see these places. Maybe just avoid the the usual tourist thing because that's you know but uh, just go and see some of these places yeah. Lake Magadi is one of the most stunning places I've ever been and do you to. get flamingos there no, no, there? There's, no, no there's no there's no water nothing, it's salt just salt so it just, can, can anything live off it no, some special breed of inland crab or something come and, uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm sure if you looked yeah. for microbes you might find some but yes. it's just purely salt so um, that is where a lot of uh, uh, people used to get salt even like Years and years ago, before even colonialism, yes. they used to get uh, a lot of salt so from there. For the fish and yeah. chips, you might get some salt there. <laughs> yes, yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. All right. So uh, now the, the, the next one, we're still in East Africa, um, is uh, Sizel. Now, people have a, have a reasonable idea what Sizel is. It's a, it's, a, it's a tough plant and it, and it produces tough products as well. Mm, but mm. What, what, what's your connection with Sizel or your reason for selecting it? Uh, Saiso, does it, do you guys know what Saiso is? Oh, you, oh, you do know. Okay. So we used to uh, just go and cut the Saiso mm -hmm. and then we used to strip it yeah. to find the rope. And uh, we, uh, so you strip it all and get, get the rope. And then that's how, that's where we would get the rope for actually weaving. So my tribe, the Gekoyo people, were basket weavers, mm. amazing baskets weavers. We, we, we call them Kyondo. 
so if, if you look at like historical uh, pictures of my, my women, their tribes women, they always used to carry this amazing basket. So my mother and I, we used to, to do this basket with this amazing mm. basket. And even if you go to Kenya, you'll see the, the baskets, they're on sale. Uh, so I spend a lot of time uh, weaving baskets with my mother, so they yes. bring a very happy memory. It's, it's, you know, it's hard, and especially because um, when, when the colonialists came, they, they destroyed all the food plants to grow sisal. Oh, right. So, which is good and bad because that's, people starved because there was no food. There's well, that's a, bad then, isn't it? It was very it, bad. But it generates money to, it, it generates to buy money. food, possibly. It, it, you, it generates you, money. Yeah. Uh, so, but at the time, it generated money for, for the colonizers, but n never money I, for the Gikoyo people. I get where you're taking Because yeah. isn't size actually originated in Mexico, doesn't it? It's a plant, that, but it's spread around the world. Yeah. But you, you're cheerfully saying, oh, we you know, cut it and stripped it off. That, that's that's got to be quite hard work on, on the hands, apart from anything else. Yeah, but we did it for fun. So, oh, right. so it wasn't a job. We did it for fun. Okay. So, like, if I wanted a skipping rope, then uh, <laughs> that's that's how, where I got my skipping from. That's your only. That's your only toy. Was, <laughs> that's a, my was a skipping, skipping rope, rope you made out of the sizal, sizal plant with a leopard looking at you. <laughs> yeah, okay. But there's something quite fulfilling about making your own toy. You know, it's like arts and crafts. And then we would uh, we would strip it back, and then we would use berries to dye it, and then yeah. you we would um, sort of. Can, can roll it yes. and then we, we would have a very lovely time skipping yeah. and even much more rewarding because you crafted it yourself mm. and um, yeah so a, a rope and sizo uh, was uh, a, a source of entertainment for me and yeah. uh, you know one of the few things I remember doing with my mother was the weaving yes yeah so these we, we, we've got one more wonder to go but so far a, a big concentration on Kenya for yeah. your wonders of the world yeah. you've obviously got a love of the country yes are, are you left with a sort of uh, perhaps you go back from time to time but are you left longing to be in Kenya or, or or are you happy that that's part of your life and you've moved on to do something else do, do you see what I mean what the difference uh, yes. is yeah so when you have lived because uh, when you lived in a place like Kenya and you live in the UK you are never satisfied. Mm. So when I go to Kenya, I'm, I'm, so if we were to do this in Kenya, it would be mainly about Britain. Yes, <laughs> the things you miss. The things yeah. that I miss about yes. Britain. Yeah. And, uh, so the, and, and so when I'm here, there are things that annoy me. When I'm in Kenya, there are things that annoy mm. me. So I'm, I'm never satisfied. Of course, I love, I love where I live. Yeah. I love the convenience of everything. I love um, I, I love uh, the freedom of uh, I mean Kenyans now have freedom of expression, but there was a time we didn't have freedom of expression. So if you criticize the government, you disappeared. Uh, but nowadays, people can just say whatever they want about the president. Yeah. But but I, I like here, especially if you're a comedian, you're it, almost compelled to criticize the, the, the government and the way things are done. It's my entire set. Yes. But, yeah, that, but that's odd. It, uh, there is a, it's a similarity, uh, Lucas. The colonialists, as you call it, people who went to to around the world, yeah. the British people, yeah. would often have in their home in India or Africa pictures of you know hunts in Surrey or yeah. something, and yeah. and old the old Mill Street. Yeah. And when they came back to yeah. retire yeah. to 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 Cheltenham or somewhere, yeah. they'd have nothing but pictures of, of India and Africa and all yeah. the. Uh, this is it. We are never satisfied. Yes. So. 
I, I mean, I, I love where I live. I live, like you said, it's very leafy, it's very beautiful. So um, I, I, I'm very fortunate to live in a very next to a beautiful park. Mm. So I, I go walking every morning around the park. Uh, it's beautiful. I love where I live. Yeah. But uh, I think maybe when you asked me this list, I was just nostalgic How about okay, Kenya. Fair, fair <laughs> but so uh, you're, um, you say you're, you're out, you're, you, you're doing stand-up the whole time. Uh, there are a lot of um, uh, comedians from, uh, you know, the Caribbean, from, from West Africa, from America. There aren't that many East African comedians. Is that, are you, you virtually unique, would you say? Yeah, uh, <laughs> there's uh, literally, they, I think uh, there's maybe two or three African comedians. Actually, uh, uh, maybe mm. a few more now. Yes. But, but, but from East Africa, no. Yeah. Um, so further south, we have Deliso, and then we have a couple of South Africans. South Africans, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah. do you ever get any kickback from audiences when you're uh, giving, it, giving you know, two barrels to uh, Britain? Uh, do you, uh, uh, does everybody say, oh, no, this is an interesting, this is, this is a good point, or, ha, 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 yes, we're all, you know, those are awful days. Or, or does, oh, wait a minute. Do you, I mean, you get all sorts, you know. Yeah. There are people who are genuinely fascinated because they've never heard of an African doing comedy. Yeah. And because of how Africans we are portrayed with, you know, flies and all of that stuff, they, they, yeah. they are quite fascinated when I come on stage. But they very quickly come on board. And of course, there may be some people who might not like my stuff. Uh, yeah. but, but the thing is, the best way to deal with people like that is to let the audience deal with them. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. So I was, uh, I was uh, where was I? I? I was doing a show near Hartlepool. And um, it, was, it was a big audience. And, and there was somebody that kept shouting stuff. And I, and I just actually said, I'm just going to ignore you. Mm. And a few people got up, they went and got the security and got him thrown out. Oh, and right. I was like, thank you, thank you. You did it better than I could have done it. All so right. so it, it, it's so nice to get that from people. Yeah. Yes, you do get Oh, you're people. lucky. Sometimes one starts, they all join and you're, you're, you're done for. I'm speaking on behalf of a friend, obviously. Uh, but um, <laughs> so uh, we, uh, we mentioned very briefly at the beginning, you know, your first gig, which perhaps was a a challenge. Yeah. When did when did things start going right? You think, oh, now I've I've got this. I've got my five ten minutes. I can now go on. So I could command the room. Was there a point where you thought, no, oh, this is worth doing? It's a, uh... So the first show that I did was truly horrendous because. You know, when I'm talking about childbirth, we, we have something in common so I can make jokes about birth and the people there, we have common interests. Yes. But um, when you're entertaining the general masses, what am I going to talk about? So I googled uh, black comedians mm. and the only black female comedians came up were American mm. female comedians. And the ones that I saw at least were talking very sexual you know, yes. quite sexual material. And I thought, whew, okay. And you're a respectable mother, <laughs> mother with children I know. from Ealing. Yes. No, nobody has sex in Ealing. It's a well no, fact, it doesn't right? happen. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How we procreate is uh, through osmosis. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, um, so I sat down and I wrote this set because I thought this is what is expected of a comedian. Yeah. And I did that set. And the, the, the owner of, of the comedy club said, okay, you have stage presence terrible material, uh, <laughs> go and think about who you are and what you want to tell the world yes. and write a set based on that. That's the best uh, piece of advice I was given because then I thought, oh, politics. So I like politics. 
And uh, so I wrote my first set, took it out, and then I got a few laughs. And yeah. then, of course, you think, okay, so th this, this works. You know, people uh, can see where I am. And, of course, I like to talk about the crossover between me being Kenyan and, and the yes. being British as well. All right. Yeah. Well, we've got one more wonder. Jazz music. Yeah. Oh, I love jazz. Seriously. So, and... Uh, 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 Ella Fitzgerald, to be precise. Okay. Uh, yeah, Ella Fitzgerald has accompanied me everywhere. So from when I was uh, uh, in upstate New York and uh, I was really struggling emotionally just because it's, it's so difficult. It's a hard place to be there. Mm. Uh, so all I would ever listen to is Ella Fitzgerald. And uh, that is one thing I imposed on my children is Ella Fitzgerald. So I, right. I mean, I love jazz and... Uh, for kids, my husband and I, we used to go to jazz places. We haven't done very much of that, but it's something that I'd like to reclaim again yeah. because it's the only one music that even when I have a dinner party that I just find jazz in the background. Is just, there's something very mm. soothing and very yes. ambient. I, I, love it. I love it. I absolutely no, love it. You jazz. mentioned your husband's a drummer. Does he, does he play jazz? Is he a jazz drummer? <laughs> no. Or, no. <laughs> no. Uh, He's so, not coming well out of this uh, selection no. of wonders. <laughs> So my, my husband is now in a Blondie tribute band. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, has it got a name, an amusing name? <laughs> totally Blondie. Totally Blondie. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, I'm in a Blondie tribute band. Really. Are, are you? No, it's, but, oh. it's, but it's called Baldy. I was just saying. I was, I, I, it, it wasn't really worth the trip, so it's it unfortunate you extended the trip length. Uh, but uh, there is. So, oh, well, that's, that's it. So... So what's that sort of 70s, 80s music? Uh, uh, pop, pop, well, the whole range. Actually, Blondie has a very wide range yeah. of styles. So, yeah, and, yeah. you know, they're gaining popularity because, you know, people are very nostalgic for that type of music. Yes. So, yeah, he, he's, he's quite busy. So he's been coming to see me in Edinburgh and then going off to do various shows and then coming back. And uh, so uh, he's back tonight. So that would be great. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Well, look, uh, thank you very much, Jambi, uh, for sharing your um, your seven wonders. Uh, it covered a certain amount of territory yeah. and uh, gave, gave everybody an opportunity to hear uh, more about you. And this is an unusual one of these podcasts. It's coming from North Berwick rather than my cupboard at home or um, somewhere at the Edinburgh, Edinburgh Festival. And uh, Jambi, the other thing I have to do, um, having thanked you for sharing your seven wonders, I have to choose the wonder of wonders from your list of seven, the one which struck me as particularly wonderful as you described it in this uh, uh, podcast. And uh, it's, a, it's a challenging decision for me uh, here, but um, since I have um, happy memories of being there, I think I'll, I'll make, uh, if my, I'll just call it Mount Kenya for the moment, I'll make Mount Kenya uh, your wonder of wonders as uh, I certainly enjoyed going there and I hope to go to Kenya again. I hope in, in peace and comfort and with no, making uh, no demands on the people there yeah. in the old colonial way. Uh, so, um, so thank you very much and perhaps a, a, round, of, a round of applause for, for Jambi McGrath. If you enjoyed this episode of My 7 Wonders, it would be wonderful if you could rate and review us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you found us. Thank you for listening. My 7 Wonders with Clive Anderson is a Stack production in association with Alaska TV and powered by the Acast Creator Network.